In this episode of Life 66, we look at Revelation chapter 11, a dynamic passage of scripture with lots of mystery and lots of intrigue. Uh, Here we see two witnesses given power to prophesy and torment those on the earth who are antagonistic toward God. Really, really great passage today. Glad you've joined me. This is Pastor Greg, and I am so glad you're here to study God's Word and to learn uh, from this book of the Revelation. Remember in Revelation 1-3, it says, blessed are those who read the words of this book. It's the only book of the Bible that comes with a blessing, if you will read it. And uh, we've been just enjoying this study, uh, going through the book chapter by chapter. So today we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 11. And to give a little bit of background here, um, this is part of the interlude between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. Uh, The sixth trumpet we saw in chapter 9, and then there was a brief interlude uh, last time in chapter 10. And uh, then we see some things happen in chapter 11, and then at the end, the seventh trumpet is sounded, um, and we get a a peek into uh, the heavenly places um, and actually get a glimpse of the Ark of the the Covenant. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant is not lost, no matter what Hollywood said back in the 80s with Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not lost. God knows exactly where it is. And uh, the the real ark, the ark that the one on earth was fashioned after, is found in, in heaven, we're going to find out. Um, also, we get introduced to the third temple. Uh, as we start out the chapter, that there's a measurement of the temple in Jerusalem. Now remember, the temple was destroyed twice before and there's a third one now um, that is built because God tells uh, the, um, uh, the, the the prophet or the the vision uh, receiver John to measure this temple. Now it's in in vision uh, form um, because he's back in the first century. Uh, but there's a third temple we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to see the end of the seven-year Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years, uh, these two witnesses, um, Jerusalem being shaken by an earthquake, uh, all kinds of just wild things that happen uh, in this chapter. So let's dive in. Uh, It is a little bit longer, so I'm not going to read the whole chapter uh, word for word, so I'm going to ask you to follow along in your Bibles as I uh, describe it to you and hopefully bring some clarity to what this interesting chapter says. Verse 1 and 2 says, I was given a a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has become or it has uh, been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. Okay, let's look at that now. This is measure the temple. Uh, it, to measure a temple has to be rebuilt. And the third temple being rebuilt was prophesied in Daniel chapter 9 uh, and chapter 12, Matthew 24, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, remember, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, and there has been no other temple uh, for the last 2,000 years. Um, in Matthew 24 and in those other passages I mentioned, there is this, this, this phrase, the abomination of desolation. Uh, that's referring to the abomination of the temple of God, that this holy place 
was designed for God's presence to reside and for the worship via sacrifice to be offered to him. Uh, but twice before, uh, once um, by Antiochus Epiphanes um, in the uh, uh, intertestamental period um, between the old and the new, the 400 years there, uh, this temple was the temple was desecrated and then uh, um, and then later destroyed uh, by the Romans. The desecration is that literal unclean animals were brought in to sacrifice, and idol worship uh, was was carried on in the temple of our Lord. Now remember, back when the Jews built the first temple, the, no one could even go into the temple without being struck down, and the high priest could only go in once a year. And only after uh, strict purification. Now, God's presence has left and there's uncleanness allowed to go in and desecrate this temple. Now, this occurs halfway through the seven-year period of the tribulation. Um, it is, it is my, my personal opinion. Of course, no one knows exactly how this all works. People can say they know exactly, but they don't. They, that's false if they ever say we know exactly, because the Bible hasn't told us. Uh, but my um, personal opinion is that the first three and a half years, uh, the devil is allowed to reign, and there's lots and lots of torment and persecution that happened during those first three and a half years. Uh, God also, uh, he, well, God allows a lot of this demonic uh, things to happen, but he also brings some judgments that we've seen um, in the chapters previous. The last three and a half years, uh, I believe, is God's judgment. And that's why I believe that the rapture occurs in the middle of the tribulation, that we as Christians have never been uh, told that we won't suffer demonic persecution or satanic persecution. There's martyrdom going on today, that there will be that and there will be martyrs. There will be uh, great um, harm and and painful times for the believers, Uh, but we are never told that we will fall under God's wrath. Jesus took our, his wrath or took the wrath of God on himself that was meant for us. And so if we are followers of Christ, we will never again suffer uh, God's wrath for it was placed on Jesus. So this, this chapter uh, gives us a picture of, of what's happening during that last three and a half years um, and the desecration of the temple. Uh, the, uh, then there's these two witnesses we'll get to just in a minute. So where will this new temple be? You say, well, where are they going to build a third temple? Uh, up on the Temple Mount, if you know um, Jerusalem at all, there's the Temple Mount area. And up there are two Muslim mosques, the, the beautiful golden dome uh, of the Dome on the Rock, and then the Al-Aqsa ma- uh, Mosque, the place where it was said that uh, Muhammad ascended. Um, and so both of those mosques are on the Temple Mount area right now, and the Jews are not allowed uh, to go up onto that Temple Mount. Um, well, by some amazing events in our future, and it is, it is my understanding um, from Revelation chapter 9, chapter 12, uh, that the Antichrist will come and he will uh, bring peace to the, the, the Jews, the Muslims, and those that worship in that area. There'll be peace that he'll bring via a a political treaty. Uh, But in the middle of that uh, treaty, he's going to violate it. And that's when the abomination of desolation occurs, that the the Jews will be uh, turned against. 
and they will tread on the city for three and a half years. And that's what's spoken about here in uh, the first two verses of chapter 11, that, that 42 months the Gentiles will tread on the holy city as the, the Jews are cast out. And Matthew 24 says they're, they're told just to run for the hills. Um, where does that word is run for the hills? I mean, who knows? Uh, some people think that the um, ancient city of Petra, if you ever visit the Holy Land, you can go to Jordan and visit this amazing um, ancient uh, city. They're the ruins of the city uh, with with facades cut into the rocks. And if you uh, referred to the Raiders of the Lost Ark a minute ago, if you read, uh, watch that movie from the 80s, the very ending scene where the Ark has been found and the uh, the Nazi leaders go in to this temple-like structure that's cut out of the rock. That's Petra uh, in Jordan, and I have the privilege of visiting there uh, on two occasions. And it's very fascinating. Some think that that's where uh, the Christians and the Jews will run to. Um, of course, no one you know, really knows. Uh, but John is told to measure this city. Measuring bring is, is, is a picture of judgment. This measuring, this reed, like a measuring rod, um, whenever something is, is measured, like you've been measured to see if you're worthy, uh, that that's an instrument of judgment. And we're going to find that the city of Jerusalem is about to be judged. Uh, judgment begins in the house of God. And he says, don't measure the Gentile court. Cast it out. It's rejected because for 42 months, the Gentiles will tread uh, on the great city. And uh, then the Jews are told to flee to the mountains. Um, for 42 months, this is going to occur. Uh, remember, the tribulation, the seven-year period, is the 70th week of Daniel 9. In Daniel 9, when you read about the 70 weeks, they're weeks of years, not weeks of days. And so the 70th week is seven uh, days to a week, seven years to these weeks of years. It's a seven-year period. And in the middle... Uh, after three and a half years, something occurs, and this great tribulation occurs at the last half of the tribulational period, the 70th week. So you've got tribulation, seven years, great tribulation, the last three and a half. Daniel refers to, in uh, chapter 7, chapter 12, uh, and Revelation 12, 14, uh, to a time, times, and half a time. That's time, a year, times two years, that's three and half a time, three and a half years. So the grammar fits there, and it, it re remains true in, in ancient Aramaic grammar. So this is a literal three and a half year period that we're studying here, where the temple is measured uh, in, in a vision in the futuristic sense by John, measuring being that it's that this, uh, this, the city of Jerusalem is about to be uh, judged and judged severely. Now, in verse 3 to 14, there is the introduction of two witnesses, very, very strange characters. And it's interesting that there's two witnesses. Uh, that, that, that two witness idea comes up a lot in Scripture. Um, two were sent on a mission uh, by Joshua, Joshua chapter 2. Um, remember, the 12 were sent out, but only two returned to say that the land was good for conquering. Uh, there were two witnesses necessary um, to bring a charge in Levitical law. Uh, Jesus met with two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, there were two angels at the empty tomb to witness to his resurrection. 
uh, another two angels there to witness and speak to the disciples at Jesus' ascension. Um, This two-witness idea is just very, very common in Scripture. Um, Verse 3 and 4 say these two witnesses, that they are prophets, uh, and they're going to prophesy for three and a half years, wearing sackcloth, a picture of Old Testament mourning and consecration, and their message is one of repentance. Um, They're anointed, and they are uh, protected by God for three and a half years. I mean, these guys are no joke. They're supernaturally protected. They're given power. Uh, Revelation 11, uh, 4 says that if, or verse 5 rather, says if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes out of their mouths and they devour their enemies. Now, whether that's literal or figurative, I don't know, but it says this is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. I, I, I'm not one to try to tell the Bible what it means. And if it doesn't say it's figurative, then I take it literally. These people have the power to devour their enemies by what comes out of their mouths. And they says they die that way. Unbelievable. These prophets are intense. And they preach the power of God. They preach the repentance of people. Um to Jesus Christ. And they are they are here just bringing the truth to such a degree and I'm jumping ahead a little bit that when they do finally uh when they are finally overcome uh and they do die that the people of the earth have parties and celebrate and give each other gifts to celebrate the death of these people. It's unbelievable uh, just antagonism of the world against God's messengers. Uh, but they're given power, and they won't be messed with for three and a half years. Remember, Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and this is the gospel that they're preaching. Um, they can shut up the sky so that there's no rain during that entire three and a half year period. I mean, think about it. Think of the drought uh, some of the droughts that we've uh, had. I'm from California, and so uh, we've had droughts where it's you know a little bit of rain. There's going to be no rain for three and a half years. And remember, uh, back in earlier passages, water is turned to blood, and uh, and they're, they have power to um, to bring plagues on the earth whenever they want. Uh, unbelievable! They're turning the waters into blood. They can turn the water into blood themselves and to strike the earth. These guys are crazy powerful. Well, who are they? These witnesses that preach the gospel, that cannot be killed until the time is right, and that have the power to shut up the skies where there's no rain, turn the water to blood, bring plagues on the earth. And if anybody tries to kill them, uh, they like go, you know, dragon and kill people with fire that comes out of their mouth. Just crazy stuff. Are, who are these two witnesses? We don't know. Are there some ideas? Yeah, there's some ideas. Uh, one idea is that one of them at least is Elijah. For the re- reason being that the Jews are expecting Elijah to return. Remember, in the Passover, they keep an empty chair waiting for Elijah to come. John the Baptist was said to have come in the spirit of Elijah. Uh, Elijah shows up 
um, on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. Um, remember, there's there's the fire that comes out of his mouth, uh, and uh, he was able to pray and stop the rain and then pray, and the rain came back. That was Elijah that uh, was able to do those things. He's kind of a representative of the Old Testament prophets. And one more thing is that Elijah never died. Uh, he was taken up, remember, in the chariot of fire. And so many think that Elijah may be one of these prophets or one of these witnesses. Um, Moses is an idea for the second of these two witnesses because of the similarities between uh, the plagues. Moses was was able to call down plagues on the earth, turn water into blood. Um, and these witnesses are able to call down plagues and turn water into blood. Uh, Moses was with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, uh, remember in Jude chapter 9, Deuteronomy 34, the strange, strange idea of, of Michael contending with Satan for the body of Moses. Um, just very strange stuff. Uh, and, and he represents the law. So many think that these two witnesses are Moses and Elijah having come back from heaven. Uh, some think that one of them could be Enoch for the simple reason that Enoch didn't die. And like Elijah, um, didn't die. In Hebrews 9.27, it says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this uh, come judgment. Well, um, you know, that, that's an idea, and it, it's, it's plausible, certainly. Uh, many have died twice, Lazarus, Jairus' daughter. Uh, some won't die at all. Those who are raptured before um, they, they die. Uh, so another problem is that Enoch isn't, isn't isn't Jewish. I don't know if that makes a huge difference, but remember, he was before Abraham. And uh, so um, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, which leads us uh, to, to understand that these two witnesses are, are Jewish prophets. So John is another idea um, from Revelation 10 and 11, or 10 and 11, that says he must prophesy again. Uh, John 21 says, um, when Jesus is speaking to Peter about the rumor that John would never die, um, which isn't, that's not literally what Jesus meant, but some think that. We just don't know who these two witnesses are. The Bible doesn't give us names to them. We can go crazy trying to identify who they are, uh, but we don't know. Um, but they're powerful. We know that. Well, they're not powerful so much so that they don't have an end, but this is all in God's plan. In verse 7 to 10, it says, the beast from the abyss. Now, this is Satan himself. Uh, this is the first mention, or, or rather, uh, the beast is the Antichrist. Uh, the beast from the abyss, the first mention of him, uh, and 36 times will be mentioned in the Revelation. Uh, this is the satanically empowered Antichrist, and he is allowed to have to overpower and kill the witnesses but only after their, after their message is complete. No one can touch them until then. Uh, and this gives, gives the people this you know, massive uh, hope, those who reject God, that, they, that there is this other power that they can worship. And we'll see that worship in chapter 13 um, of this beast who's got so much power. And so this beast, this Antichrist, is able to come, and he's able to overcome and kill these witnesses. And it says that the, the city in which they've been prophesying, the great city, and it's notice it's called Sodom and Egypt, 
where Jesus was crucified. Well, that was Jerusalem. Look at the spiritual condition that the city that was once God's chosen, the city of David, the city uh, um, that, that Jesus chose to place the, the temple and for the worship to occur, the, 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 the city in which um, uh, God provided the, the sacrificial ram when uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Um, that's the same mountain, the same place. It's now called Sodom and Egypt. What a, what a turn that it's come, become so evil and so antichrist that the city of God is called uh, those words and those descriptions. Um, this, this phrase, the great city, is also used about Babylon. Again, uh, this, this idea of, of such a, just a horribly disobedient, rebellious, satanic place. Well, when these two witnesses are killed, the world won't even bury them. They're left in the streets for three and a half days. And everybody in the world sees them and celebrates. Now, remember, we can see anything we want anytime. We got the news media, satellites. Anytime anything happens in the world, we all can watch it uh, on our televisions and and, um, on our devices. And they're not going to bury these guys. They're going to mock them. They're going to celebrate. They're going to give each other gifts. They're going to party like they've just been, uh, you know, given an eternal reprieve or something. They are so happy, the people of the earth, uh, because these two witnesses uh, have been killed. And it's intense. They, they, I mean, picture the picture. It's just gross. Two dead guys in the streets, lying there, and the world is celebrating. The news media is celebrating. The people, the kings, the the governments, they're celebrating as a result of their death. But that isn't the end. You gotta love God. He just just knows how to build drama. After three and a half days, these guys (laughs) stand up again alive. Think of the freak out on the news media and the freak out amongst the people when these guys are in the midst of their celebration going, it's awesome. They finally got their mouths shut up. Oh, we, you know, it's so great. We don't have to hear them anymore. And then boom, they're back and fear fills everybody. Wouldn't you, you can't kill these guys to watch their celebration coming to a screeching halt. When these guys come back to life again, What a great promise to know that with God, there's a resurrection. He is the resurrection. He is the one who has the breath of life. And immediately once they've been resurrected, uh, a great voice says, come up here. And these guys just disappear. They, They ascend right in front of the very eyes of the people who have just been celebrating. And they're in shock as these guys ascend into the clouds. Well, when that happens, a great earthquake hits the city. And a tenth of the city collapses. 7,000 people die in that great earthquake. There, the intensity is, is hard to believe. Like there was a great earthquake when Jesus died on the cross and the skies turned dark. When these guys are resurrected and ascend back into heaven, a great earthquake hits the city and 7,000 people die. 
intense. Verse 14 says, the second woe is past. Referring back to chapter 9, the third woe is coming. Then we finally see the seventh trumpet that is blown in verse 15 and 19. It says, then the seventh trumpet sounded, uh, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders do what they do. They fall down before God and they worship him singing a song. Um, and then it says, uh, heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen. And there was flashes of lightning, rumbles and heels of thunder, an earthquake and a great hailstorm. God is taking over the great, great overcoming power of our Lord has come with this moment as he brings the witnesses. They preach for three and a half years. And now at the end of that three and a half years, it's finally time. It's, it's over. We're going to see some concurrent things that occur in chapter 12 and chapter 13 and 14, etc. But let's just keep remembering in the, in the song that is sung. Let me, let me just read the song for you. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. Actually, it's not a song. They're saying this. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. God Jesus reigns supremely, Jesus judges righteously, and Jesus rewards graciously. Those songs or those words that we hear in chapter 4, 5, and 11, that the creator is worshipped, the redeemer is worshipped, and now the coming king or the conquering king is worshipped. And as the heavens are opened, the great celebration is revealed. I just want to give you some concluding thoughts about you know, just the end of time and how all this works and this building of the temple. Remember, Isaiah eleven eleven spoke about the reunification or, or the, the, the return of the nation of Israel. From the time of AD 70, when Rome overtook Israel, there's never been a nation in the land that is known as Israel until about 70 years ago, a little over 70 years ago, on May 14th, 1948, when the regathering of the people of God, this dispersed people for 2,000 years were brought back together again by the prophetic word of God and Israel became a nation, May 14, 1948. In, 19, in the 60s, 1968 specifically, uh, the Six-Day War occurred, uh, giving Israel um, the reclaim, uh, recla- reclamation of the city of Jerusalem uh, the Temple Mount was given to the Gentiles by Moshe Dayan. Um, and so the Muslims have had uh, control of the Temple Mount ever since then, um, given to them as a concession uh, when um, greater land was taken by the Jews in that Six-Day War. Uh, but they believe the prophets of the Old Testament, the Jews do. To this day, and I've been to the um, Temple Institute in Jerusalem where uh, they know that the temple will be rebuilt. They're believing that according to the prophetic scriptures. They believe and know that the sacrificial system uh, will return, that they are preparing for priests uh, from the tribe of Levi to once again learn the, the Levitical rites to uh, sacrifice properly. 
um, the red heifer that's necessary for uh, the sacrificial system. They're breeding those today um, and on and on. The different articles needed for temple worship are being prepared. Even now, in this day, the Jews are preparing for the coming of a sacrificial system and the coming of a temple. Sadly, the majority of them are not preparing for the Lord Jesus Christ. But they will. Prophetic literature says that, that the, the Jewish people will return to our Lord once they've been dispersed. And I can't wait for that day. Uh, when you look at the times, always look to Israel. Whenever there's something that God is doing prophetically, he seems to always start with the nation of Israel. And this last day, I believe, my personal opinion, that in 1948, when Israel was brought back as a nation, it began the last season. The last season when Jesus is preparing the way for his return. And these events just may occur in our lifetime. Uh, we may be, I may never see death. Maybe we'll be taken up before then. And in today's world that has gone so completely backwards, I am baffled each day when I listen to the news and um, see what's coming out of the mouths of people, uh, how godless our world is beyond belief and how backwards and twisted the thinking of man is. It almost reminds me of the days in the Old Testament when uh, the minds of the armies of, against God would be confused and they'd turn on each other and kill each other. It seems like that's the kind of mindset we have today where people are so confused that they just turn on each other in their confusion. Well, the bottom line, folks, is that the revelation reveals Jesus and he's coming back soon. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. There's going to be a day when it's too late. I hope today you will surrender your life to the Lord and Savior, the soon incoming King who will reign forever and ever. Now he's reigning in heaven now. He's given Satan uh, authority on this earth for a little while and he's, just, he's done a phenomenal job deceiving the people. But there's going to be a day when his mouth will be shut and Jesus will reign. I hope you're ready to meet the Lord and Savior when he comes. I pray for you and I pray that you will. Well, everybody, you're loved. Know that you're prayed for and that um, my prayer is that God would give you understanding for, to his word and give you a passion to serve him each day. God bless you as you, as you uh, live your life for him and let's do so knowing that he's coming soon. Take care. God bless you. This is Pastor Greg, Live 66. See you next time.